This is Geeks and Jacks. And welcome back to Geeks and Jacks episode 150. That's right, 150 episodes. Recording April 13th. 2023. This is Ryan Sullivan. Glad to have you here. Before getting into this episode, this is on Spotify, otherwise known as Podcasters for Spotify. This can also be found on Radio Public and Google Podcasts. So right on down to those places, search for Geeks and Jacks. Plenty of content awaits. So definitely got some stuff to pack into this episode, including the big box office draw. Some of the hate and love it's getting, obviously. Talk a few gaming-related stuff. Talk about television. Talk about some of these shows that are, like, going off the air or big things going on. And talk about, obviously, some sporting-related stuff, including an arrest in NASCAR. And just how bad is Oakland, as far as attendance goes. Just some of the few things to talk about in this episode of Geeks and Jocks. So without further ado, let's get into the movies. Two days makes a big difference, I think, for, I would say, a PG movie, PG-13 movie. And in the case of our number one movie, that was the case for the Super Mario Brothers movie. So this was obviously going to be the number one movie, I just didn't think it was going to be that huge. But for just the weekend alone, $146.3 million according to Box Office Mojo. But five days altogether, $204 million. So as it stands with the numbers being as recent as this Tuesday, 240.2 domestic 187.6 internationally and worldwide, all things considered, almost 428 million. That's huge. That is very huge, and that's considering that this movie has had its share of negativity, particularly Chris Pratt as as Mario hate from the live-action Mario actor John Leguizamo that they didn't cast anybody Italian. Maybe it's just me, but I'm not sure he played a convincing Luigi. I mean, sure, it's easy to rip on the live-action Mario from 93, but I don't think he's the first, or should I say the right person to call out on how it should be casted. Especially considering that Nintendo was heavily involved with this movie. And Shigeru Miyamoto was the guy responsible for casting. You're going to see Mario. You're going to get a big name for it. That's what they did in 93 with Bob Hoskins who kind of looked like Mario. And obviously, things are different now these days. You're looking for some big name to be in it. You know, look at Sonic the Hedgehog. While Jim Carrey is far from where he was in the late 90s and early 2000s, he's still a name in Hollywood. Which is why he found himself playing Dr. Robotnik. Look at Idris Elba. A lot of people love the casting choice of him as Knuckles. You know, people gravitate towards names. Regardless of how people feel about Chris Pratt and some of these other names like Charlie Day and Jack Black, Anya Taylor-Joy, they're, they're draws. Regardless of how big or small their fan bases are. And not to mention, you got multiple generations that want Nintendo to make more movies. And some gamers are freaking out over the critic score, which 
been pretty mixed, a little more towards the positive side. I think when you look at it all together, I would say what doesn't help for some is that it's illumination. They're not exactly a shining beacon of of great movies. I mean, good, but not strong compared to other competitors. At least that's how I see it. So, say what you will, I mean, this is going to enjoy a good month or two in theaters. It's the only kids' film, really, right now at the moment. So, I don't know what else can be said. If it has something similar to what Puss in Boots had when it came out around Christmas, that's good. And this is a resurging year for for Universal. It broke records, actually, uh, with the opening beating out Frozen 2. Which means Disney needs to get their act together. Which, we'll have to see how Elemental fares around mid-June. So, number two. The difference between number two and number three for the three-day weekend was a $10,000 difference. And number two was John Wick Chapter 4. Making $14.466 million And standing now at 149 almost $150 million domestic and 122 internationally. So it's definitely enjoying a small bit of success right now. Narrowly missing number two is also another movie that came out a couple days prior. Air. Three-day weekend was $14.4 million and it made $20 million overall within five days. 23.3 domestic right now, 10.2 internationally. So I don't know. I'd have to see what the budget was for that movie. Because I'm actually pretty curious. Air 2023 movie budget. Because this is centered around Michael Jordan. Or at least... Ooh, man. 70 to 90 million. Ouch. Uh, there was something funny I read. Uh, Michael Jordan was not involved in the movie. And he made a choice on who his mother should be played by. And got Viola Davis to play his mother in the movie. Nice to see some influence. No joke. Curious to see what the rating... I mean, well received right now. 7.8 on IMDb, 92% Rotten Tomatoes, 73% Metacritic. I mean, it's... You know... Directed by Ben Affleck. Affleck's in it as well. Matt Damon. Davis, as I said. Chris Tucker. Jason Bateman. I mean... That's that I mean that's tough. That's pretty tough. Seventy to ninety million, I mean I'm not sure this movie has has good legs. And that's considering the story of Nike and their relationship with Michael Jordan, like the initial shoe of the Air Jordan. That's gonna be extremely tough to get to those type of numbers, or even make over a hundred million. I would say I would hope this would be a smaller budgeted film, but I mean, then again, it's Damon and Affleck. You're probably expecting a lot of expensive budgets. Uh, number four, Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves, making thirteen point eight million. And sitting at 64.6 domestic, 61.8. So at around 126.4 million. 
kind of safe to say, along with the competition, this has probably hurt Paramount. And I mean, combined with the $151 million budget, I mean, this needed to make a lot more. And this is going to be, I would think, would be a flop. Number five, and the number is a lot lower now as we start to get towards cheap stuff. Well, low numbers. Number five, Scream 6. 3.4 million. Already inched its way to over 100 million already here in the States. 104.7 domestic and 57.8 internationally. Nearing 163 million. Number six, his only son, 2.8 million. Prize is even still in the theater. See if it got a, nope, same amount of theater stuff. Not exactly a great weekend all together. Less than 50 million overall. Number seven, Creed three. 2.7 million. 153.8 domestic and 113.9 internationally, nearing 268 million. Number eight, Shazam, Fury of the Gods. 1.5 million. And that's the last of any of those movies with seven figures. 56.9 domestic, 71.4. This just made its budget recently. But obviously needed a bit more to have any sort of small profit or anything like that. (sighs) Number nine, 1,001. $10 $10 shy of 600000 <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just... $3.1 domestic. And number 10 is a new movie that just came out. Paint. The Owen Wilson movie that I think it's supposed to be a parody of of Bob Ross, the painter that was on PBS for a long time. That's pretty bad. The with it being at five hundred seventy thousand. I don't know if just. I'm just guessing because it's IFC, no one's taking them seriously or something. Maybe that's my way of looking at it. Regardless, though, pretty bad. So as far as what's coming out over the course of this week, there's been some limited releases. That includes from... Yesterday, Beautiful Disaster and Tommy Guns. Today would be limited releases of The Lost Weekend, A Love Story, and the 20th anniversary of The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. So, got a lot of movies coming out nationwide. Six releases. The Pope's Exorcist, which I'm seeing quite a bit of advertisement for. I'd imagine out of the movies, I'm thinking it's going to come down to Pope's Exorcist or Renfield, the Nicolas Cage Dracula movie where Cage is Dracula and Renfield played by Nicholas Holt is kind of like a servant, just by the way they have the commercials. I imagine it's going to be one of those two. 
As far as new movies go, to be exact, I apologize for not being specific, but I got a feeling Mario's going to be number one for the second week in a row. Curious about some of these other movies that are wide release. Suzumi, Modern Action Adventures, must be a Japanese, yep, Crunchyroll, must anime film. It's done really well internationally, almost $140 million altogether. Don't know if that's good or not. I would assume it is. Let's see what Sweetwater is. Oops, wrong one. Apologize, just a little, a little slow with certain things. As far as what can be loaded, Sweetwater, Snat Sweetwater Clifton makes history. Okay, is this one of those biopic drama? Not sure that will do well. I don't know. I mean, Hall of Famer, which, I mean, could get some people in the theater, but... Mafia Mama. (laughs) American Mama inherits her grandfather's Mafia Empire. Is this for real? It is for real. It's an action crime comedy. Who is in this movie? That uh, I'm, 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 I'm seriously curious. <laughs> so far, yeah, it just seems so stupid. That's why it's already at twenty five percent Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, Tony Collette, Monica Bellucci, a bunch of others I don't really know. I feel like I've heard Bruno Bellota before. So, yeah, no way is this movie going to do well. No way. <laughs> and nefarious. <laughs> nefarious. Man. <laughs> Got a variety of movies, horror, thriller, action, comedy, biography, sport film, like, it's basically the Wild West. Limited releases include Everything Went Fine, Blind Willow, Sleeping Woman, Bo is Afraid, and Rare Objects. Other movies coming out prior to the 21st include a re-release of The Big Lebowski, which turns 25 this year, and Morando Alcello. I think it's a Spanish, yep, Mexican film. Life of Young Jose Sanchez del Rio. Okay. That's crazy. Some of these limited releases. I'm surprised we don't see much more imported movies. Kind of like what Crunchyroll is doing with putting out some of the animated movies that they've been putting into the theater. I mean, I know there's an audience out there for some of those Crunchyroll stuff. But, maybe there's still that taboo with with anime, even 20 plus, 25 plus years later. That stigma with, I mean, stigma goes all the way back to, I would say, probably the 60s and 70s, cartoons for kids. And not everything being for kids at times, I don't know. It's a weird thing to discuss, in my opinion. Really weird thing to to discuss. But what's even weirder now these days is 
we're seeing all sorts of stuff being put out the pasture. Seriously. Being put out because of people wanting to you know, finish up you know, certain things and you see it with it's going this way with daytime television there's Dr. Phil going off the air Rachel Ray you got several dramas right now that are about finished including The Blacklist on NBC that's been on for about 10 years and I believe the title character of Grey's Anatomy leaving the show Like, seriously, think about some of that stuff. I think in the case of Grays, maybe it's similar to what NCIS went through last year. Or was it this this season? I forget. <sighs> because Mark Harmon is not the star anymore. It's Gary Cole. Although I think Harmon still has some involvement with the show. And I know the actress, um, what's her name? Ellen Pompeo. I think she's an executive producer for Grey's Anatomy. 19 years, I mean, it's got to be exhausting. You see that with some shows. And it's funny to think about that, just off the top of my mind of thinking of Cheers a little bit, because next month will mark 30 years since its series finale, and the only reason that show ended after 11 years, the story that I remember reading, Ted Danson did not want to do the character anymore. He did not want to be Sam Malone. So they had one final season... Well, the 11th in 92, 93, and 90 plus million watched that series finale. It it can happen. Fatigue happens. And I believe the case of Pompeo with her title character, it just got tiring. It just... Thinking about that, I mean, look at some of the daytime stuff. How much more can you do the same stuff? How many more times? I'm just thinking that with, with a cooking show. And not just a weekly cooking show. It's something you see five times a week. Just thinking that with talking Rachel Ray. How do you keep up with that? I don't think it's possible. Hundreds upon hundreds of shows. I think it leaves us with what is the future of daytime television? Shoot, just thinking that. There's something I read recently about the production sets for The Price is Right and I think several other game shows being moved to other studios due to the original one that they were in. Needing some renovations. Think about that, actually. Think about all those episodes of The Price is Right, whether it's Bob Barker or Drew Carey, being in the same place for many years. Think about it. You know, just... If there's one wish I have a little bit, just wouldn't mind seeing Bob Bob Barker live to 100 years old. Can we let that happen, please? I feel like people are probably upset the fact that Betty White didn't make it to 100. So can we can we at least get that wish, please? Bob Barker, 100 years old, please. The guy is probably I would say the gold standard for your game show. Probably the gold standard. 
Otherwise, it, if not him, it'd probably be a fight between him and uh, Alex Trebek. Actually, watched uh, recently, uh, a couple weeks back, this clip of of this guy who figured out like the prices on certain items and guessing the correct price being a the guy being a big fan of the prices right and getting everything down perfectly and wowing uh, Bob Barker I mean whether you think it's rigged or not I don't know but <laughs> Man, it's just, you don't get that type of magic anymore. You just don't. What would it take to get some of that magic back? Because I'm not sure it can be replicated ever again. The type of stuff, whether it's the daytime shows, the soaps, you know, the stuff you see on primetime television, next to impossible. Maybe it's just me being kind of an old fart despite still being really young. I don't know. Moving on to sports. Definitely will have my share of baseball thoughts, but I'm going to talk about NASCAR a little bit. Dirt racing at Bristol for Easter. Christopher Bell winning on the dirt. And the top ten as follows. Tyler Reddick, second. Austin Dillon, third. Ricky Stenhouse, fourth. Chase Briscoe, fifth. Justin Haley, sixth. Martin Truex, seventh. Todd Gilliland, eighth. Kevin Harvick, ninth. And Ty Gibbs, tenth. Other notables. Michael McDowell, eleventh. Bubba Wallace, twelfth. William Byron, thirteenth. Eric Jones, 14th. Harrison Burton, 15th. A.J. Allmendinger, 16th. Brad Keselowski, 17th. Chris Buescher, 18th. Austin Sindrick, 19th. Denny Hamlin, 22nd. Ryan Blaney, 23rd. Daniel Suarez, 25th. Josh Berry, 27th. Ross Chastain, 28th. Alex Bowman, 28th. Eric Almarola, 31st. Kyle Busch, 32nd. Noah Gregson, 33rd. Matt Crafton, 34th. And I'll get to that in a minute on that. Kyle Larson, 35th. And Joey Logano, dead last, 37th. Now, Matt Crafton, he's been part of racing for a very long time. He's won three championships in the truck series. And he is in the 51 car that was supposed to be driven by Cody Ware. Now, there's been some other stuff going on with 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 NASCAR. I believe not too long ago they punished a couple Hendrick Motorsport drivers recently. But that pales in comparison to what is going on with Cody Ware. NASCAR put an indefinite suspension on where and this comes after an assault and being arrested in North Carolina strangling a woman serious injury serious harm assault by strangulation inflicting serious injury and misdemeanor assault He's only 27, but it's pretty bad and more than likely I could see this guy, if convicted, going to jail for quite a while. So, there was a video, I didn't click on it, but there was something about the spotter of Ware who rides in his uh, car via his dad's uh, company. Something about him being mentally ill and all that. I mean, 
you don't know what's going on in the psyche of of a race car driver anything can happen anything but there are some drivers that you see that have that sort of frustration whether it's due to something from the past or if it's just some of these drivers that keep having these really really bad results and they keep trying and nothing nothing works But then again, maybe there's some stuff that Ware saw in his life that, or something was short-tempered that led to this happening, unfortunately. And yeah, you hope you hope the victim, this lady, you hope she's okay, but she's definitely going to be scarred for the rest of her life with that thing. I mean, pretty good on NASCAR to to stop it immediately, keep them off the track until things change. Definitely not a good situation at all. NASCAR is just kind of in a rut right now with whether it's like video game issues and broadcasting it's just not a not a good situation just not but neither is baseball and I'll look at some other stuff for a brief moment but there's some good and bad to baseball and one of them is the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm going to focus on two things for baseball, and that's about it. One is the race. 12-0 and 0 now to begin the season. There hasn't been anything like that in a long time. They were at 9-0 and 0 not too long ago. To what was like the most current streak prior to that was the 0-3 Kansas City Royals. But they are, as it stands right now, prior to any game they have, one game away from tying what the 82 Atlanta Braves did and the 87 Milwaukee Brewers. And the Brewers were in the American League at the time in 87. Atlanta made the playoffs in 82. The opportunity was lost for uh, Milwaukee. I believe Detroit won it in 87. Only to lose to the Twins. Twins win the World Series that year. Now, will this hot streak keep going? I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to guess. Because this is a small tier team. They kept a core group of guys, you know, finding the best ones that they could have. And probably with how things fared over the season last year, it they probably wanted to look at what worked, what didn't, and so far, whatever they improved on and got, whatever problems they got rid of, it's paying off. Now, I'm not sure this leads to them going to the World Series. However, it'll make for an interesting AL East. Especially with how the Yankees are the Orioles potentially, and obviously the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. Well, the Red Sox keep getting dinged with injuries. Funny enough, thinking that with the Blue Jays a tiny bit, Blue Jays were facing the Angels recently, and Vladimir Guerrero uh, Sr. threw out like first pitch, 
and did a picture with both Mike Trout and his son, uh, Vlad Jr., uh, Guerrero Jr. with the uh, Blue Jays and Trout still with the Angels. Now, the Angels certainly can draw a crowd because of guys like Trout. Let me tell you how sad it is to talk about the Oakland Athletics. Not even 3,500 people, I believe it was their opening day over a week ago. Not even 3,500 people went to see it. It's, I mean, you know the situation's bad. It's hard to say it got this bad. And I think this is the case of who knows what's going on with the city of Oakland. And as far as the franchise goes, where could this franchise be? Or will they stay in Oakland? Now, Oakland is not a safe place in California. It just isn't. And that's probably one of the big factors of people maybe don't want to go to these games. Even if it is early in the day, or still reasonable sunlight out. I would say out of your big major cities, it's probably the most dangerous, if I had to guess. Now, as well, Oakland Coliseum. Outdated, antiquated piece of crap. Need I say more? What was what was good up until maybe the late 90s or so? It just doesn't work. And the whole cookie-cutter stadium, it, it, it doesn't work the way that I think Oakland wants it to. And these other stadiums that focus on one sport mostly... They've benefited greatly for other parts of both, you know, the MLB and the NFL. Generate tons of profit. Generate tons of stuff. And as long as your concessions are good and the ambiance makes it exciting to go to a ball game... That's all that matters, and it, it's combined with the way that the, the stadium is was designed back in the '60s. Stuff falling apart. Coliseum. I mean, when does it when does it reach the point where you start saying it needs to be demolished? And Oakland has been trying to get a stadium for the Athletics get a new stadium somewhere, but it's not hasn't happened. Been talks about it for a very long time. The idea of them going to Vegas doesn't seem far fetched. I could see it happening. In all seriousness, I could see all four major sports being in Vegas. You already got the Raiders there. You got the Golden Knights all you're missing now is a baseball team and an NBA NBA team. They already got a WNBA team there, but I think if you were to get a Vegas team in the NBA, I think it would change the outlook of what people look at with Sin City. So, yeah. You never know what's going to happen now, and quite frankly, I'm not sure we ever will. Pretty disappointing. But something's got to change. Now, the NBA, as we move on to that, their standings are pretty much done, except for what will be the 8th seedings. 
Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference led the way. Number two, Boston Celtics. Number three, Philadelphia 76ers. Cleveland Cavaliers, fourth. Fifth seed, New York Knicks. Sixth, Brooklyn Nets. Seventh is the Atlanta Hawks. They punched their ticket into the playoffs with their win over the Miami Heat. And it'll be a matchup between them and the Chicago Bulls to see who will face Milwaukee in the playoffs. Boston will face Atlanta. Philadelphia will, will face Brooklyn. And Cleveland will face New York. The Denver Nuggets led the way in the Western Conference. The Memphis Grizzlies second seed. Sacramento Kings third seed. Fourth seed is the Phoenix Suns. The L.A. Clippers are the fifth seed. Golden State Warriors six. The L.A. Lakers punched their ticket in with their win over Minnesota. So now it's a matter of Minnesota versus Oklahoma to see who faces Denver in the first round. Memphis will face the Lakers. Sacramento will face Golden State. And Phoenix will face the Clippers. This should be an interesting playoff season for the next two months. Seriously. Think about all these lower seeds being in California with the exception of whoever will be the 8th seed. Could we smell potential upsets? Maybe. But Boston's been on a tear and so has Cleveland. Most of the other teams have done average to slightly above average in the Eastern Conference. While it's hard to gauge who will be better in the Western Conference, the last 10 games of the season, the Warriors and Lakers fared a lot better. Phoenix, better than average. And the rest, just okay. One of the bigger discussions, though, is the Dallas Mavericks and whether or not they tanked on purpose so they can hold on to what I think is a first-round draft pick that is 10th overall. So, how do you explain this? Essentially, while other guys rested during the last few games of the year, and Jason Kidd, the coach, basically saying... I'm told by the, by the owner and, and management what to do. So it sounds like he was told by Mark Cuban and the higher-ups to, to tank. This won't be the first time. What is it with cheating in Texas? You know, with these sports teams in Texas, man. Just to go off topic for a brief second, there was a new thing that popped up with Evan Gaddis, the catcher of Atlanta and Houston. Gaddis uh, winning the World Series in 2017 with the Astros. Talking about the 2017 scandal again. And opening up a new can of worms for for anybody that probably still had any interest in about this controversy. Just, I mean, what else is new? I think it just hurts the championship status of the Astros. Two World Series, and who knows how badly tainted they are. Now, Mark Cuban has been busted in 2018 for saying about tanking on purpose. And it's pretty sad that in his entire ownership since 2000, I want to say, they've only mustered up one finals 
And I would say that was based on dumb luck. Hugely dumb luck. They've been to the finals... I want to say twice. And they had been upset before in the past. 07, I think, was a big example. I think they were number one in the Western Conference. And they lost to Golden State, who hadn't been in the playoffs in such a long time in 07. Hard to believe, thinking back, Golden State was bad when I was a teenager. Certain teams that you think about when you were growing up, Golden State was bad. They were bad when I was a kid. The funny opposite thing, Minnesota, they've always been a bad franchise, but when they had Kevin Garnett, they were good. None of these days they've been mostly mediocre. Just thinking that out of just irony, the opposite thing happening. Minnesota was bad in, in the late 2000s, while Golden State stock started to go up after getting guys like Thompson and Curry. <laughs> Moving lastly to the NHL. We got the playoffs set for the most part. The New York Islanders just punched their ticket into the playoffs. The last team in the Eastern Conference to do so. So here's where it is. Boston Bruins A pretty impressive season. 64, 12, and 5. That's a record. They broke the record of 62 set by the 96 Detroit Red Red Wings. They obliterated it. More than likely, this is probably the team that represents the Eastern Conference for the Stanley Cup Final. The other notables include the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Florida Panthers. That's just in their division. The Metropolitan Division has their team set up. The Carolina Hurricanes, the New Jersey Devils, the New York Rangers, and now the New York Islanders. There was a 16-season streak of the Pittsburgh Penguins making the playoffs. gone. The current most longest active streak of making the playoffs. All gone. And it's also the first time that neither Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovechkin are in the playoffs. You know how that sounds? It must sound pretty disappointing, but We get ourselves a different type of hockey playoff atmosphere where no one has to worry about the Capitals or the Penguins. I would say your biggest team to fear probably comes down to Toronto, the Devils and Rangers, Bruins obviously. That's just the Eastern Conference. Let's look at the West. They're all set. Dallas Stars in the Central Division. Colorado. Minnesota Wild. Winnipeg Jets. The Vegas Golden Knights. Edmonton Whalers. LA Kings. And the newest team, the Seattle Kraken. Pretty good list. A lot of stuff being said about the Calgary Flames being so disappointing. I'm assuming they started the season off well and just couldn't materialize after that. You know, put together this really good season or anything like that. Actually, when does the playoffs 
begin. It's got to be something. The only other notable things I can think of, nothing too many school, it's just haven't talked about football, don't really need to. It's just jibber-jabber about what's going on with some franchise tags and whether some will sign big contracts or not. The only big thing is Michael Jefferson, who is a prospect that could get drafted, being in a bad car crash and needing multiple surgeries. So his draft stock probably has gone down and cratered. You just hope that he can get healthy again. Whether he chooses to play football or not is up to him. That's all I have to say. Now, with moving on to gaming, don't really have a lot to talk about. I mean, Dead Island 2 is about to come out. I I played the first Dead Island about almost 10 years ago. I played it, and I did get pretty far into it. The graphics were nice. I liked the idea of like a tropical setting with the zombie outbreak and all that. Something different compared to what you see with things such as Dead Rising, for example. And it's one of those games that's built on stamina. It's role-playing type stuff. You work on what you need to work on. Using certain weapons, certain items to get through it. However, the one thing that always frustrated me about Dead Island was that... It was built for multiplayer in mind. I don't think they ever thought about building it for single-player-minded purposes. I feel that's what hurt it. And the load save system was pretty broken. It felt as if they didn't try making it a single-player experience. They focused too much on it being a multiplayer game. Definitely will have to read what the reviews are like, but if it has the same problems as the first game, I probably won't play it. If there is something I want to play, I want to see what could potentially happen with GTA 6. Seems like we keep seeing more and more of the this leakage type stuff going on. I think people just want to see something new out of Rockstar. They haven't made anything new in about five years or so, with Red Dead Redemption 2 being the last game that they made that was original or sequelized. Just thinking back, look at PS4 and Xbox One. GTA 5. Red Dead Redemption 2, the remaster of L.A. Noir, and the GTA trilogy. Only Red Dead is the only thing that's kind of exclusive to its generation. I just I can't put it into words. Uh, that's why I think people want to see a new GTA. People want to see some other properties get back into the fray too. Last year, I remember reading some fake game called New York Noir. 
and it was set in the 50s, I believe. This person had this idea of being in the shoes of Herschel Biggs, who was a vital character to L.A. Noir's story late in the game. And trying to solve crimes, trying to solve the corruption of the LAPD and several other things. And I think one of the things that the person wanted to do was figure out what happened that caused the main characters of L.A. Noir's death. Or something along that line. It's been a well over a year since I've read it, but... I would love to see another L.A. Noir type game. I would love to see another one. Just anything, really, that isn't GTA as well. I'm not sure we'll see another Red Dead for another long... for a long time. I'm trying to think of other stuff. I mean, the, there's Midnight Club, but I think probably all the racing stuff at GTA probably made Midnight Club redundant. Which is pretty unfair, I think. I think it would be cool to see them do some street racing type stuff and be inspired by some of these, you know, underground racing type films. Or maybe it just doesn't fit in the same mold like it did in the early 2000s, especially when stuff like Fast and Furious were were brand new concepts. Speaking of which, I think, was it Fast X? Fast 10? I think that's what they call it. That's coming out soon. Probably be a lot different. It's funny looking back at where the franchise is now compared to where it was in 2001. Crazy. Trying to think of other things, I mean, PGA Tour Golf just came back from EA Sports. That was, for the longest time, one of their biggest mainstays on consoles going back to the Sega Genesis days. It was initially on PC and then later the Genesis. Quite a bit of games on the Genesis. A couple on SNES. Managed to get some on the Saturn and PlayStation. Focusing solely on PlayStation until the newer generation with PS2, Xbox, GameCube. Quite a bit on the Game Boy Advance, if I remember correctly. One or two games, maybe on the DS and the Wii, obviously. Oh, boy. They haven't done a new PGA game since Rory McIlroy. That game was just okay. To me, EA's best golf game, I think, is Tiger Woods 99. Because it's simple to get. The controls are more forgiving, I think. Because you can get past a hook or a slice... With the spin feature. And I think it helps the game greatly. And helps you recover from. From bad shots. Although. As always. I'm not the hugest on putting mechanics. Sometimes I can land. A good shot. To a birdie. Or other times. I just miss it. And have to tap it in for par. Curious to see what other stuff makes its way to PS4 and Xbox One. I mean, those systems have got to be close to finishing up, I would think, over the next year or two. Still see these big deals, and the fact that PlayStation 4 still has a big spring sale says something. Xbox One has their own a little bit. It's amazing to see what 360 stuff still gets discounted and 
There's quite a few Namco stuff on there, such as Galaga and Pac-Man. It's a weird time to be a gamer. But, anything different from the usual suspects on Xbox One, Xbox 360, that's A-OK by me. Gotta show some love to some of the older stuff. And maybe give some big discounts when appropriate. So that about wraps up this episode. As I said before, this podcast is on Podcasters for Spotify. You can also find us on Radio Public and Google Podcasts. So head on down to those places, search for Geeks and Jucks. Plenty of content awaits. So that is episode 150 for Geeks and Jucks. This is Ryan Sullivan. Hope to hear your listeners on the next podcast. Stay safe, stay protected, take care of yourself, take care, everyone.